Politically correct euphemisms, safe spaces, trigger words, social justice, cutting through it all to get to the real meat of being a parent today is a lot tougher than it looks, and dare I say, a lot more challenging than in times past. Hi, I'm Rich Rosal, and today on Licensed to Parent, Trace Embry and I will be having a candid discussion about some of the more sensitive and under-discussed topics that face American parents. I do want to warn you, though, this program will not be for the faint of heart. In fact, some toes could get stepped on, so we advise that you wear protective footwear. The bad news is the times they are a-changing, and trying to make sense of that has caused many to give up. But the good news is that God's principles on how to be a parent don't change. After all, he invented human nature, and as cliche as it sounds, he really has seen it all. So we're going to try to review some of those biblical truths and bring some sanity back into our parenting experience today on Licensed to Parent. Welcome, welcome. If this is your first time finding us, Licensed to Parent is the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered wilderness-based residential program for troubled teens. And Trace, I don't think too many people realize that you and your constituents here at Shepherd's Hill are often... Well, between a rock and a hard place when it comes to offering parenting counsel. And even here on Licensed to Parent, we have to bring up some topics and you have to say some things that aren't always comfortable or popular. And I guess part of the reason for that is that cultural norms change over time. I think of it as sort of like the tide at the ocean. And uh, we as parents sitting in our floating lounge chairs can find ourselves turned around and actually floating out to sea because we weren't paying attention. And uh, I'm assuming that probably resonates with you a bit with your work here at Shepherd's Hill. Yeah, of course it does. Uh, and, you know, analogous to even the picture you just painted there, if you're you're busy uh, fending off sharks all along the way, right. uh, then you're going to be distracted. Uh, so it's not just as simple as we're not paying attention. There are so many things that distract us. Yes. And uh, tonight I'm, I'm going to be given a message I don't want to give to a people who largely don't want to hear it. There are things, many, many things, in fact, that we've accepted, bought into, and exercised as parents these days that aren't congruent with where we should be, especially as Christian parents, uh, because these things aren't congruent with biblical principles and mandates and historic precedent, logic, and scientific studies, or even common sense anymore. Uh, yet, because of our cultural indoctrination, many of these things become the norm, and they really shouldn't be. And what we haven't bought into, uh, we're afraid to push back against or even speak out against, again, because of political correctness and the peer pressure that we experience as, as parents. So we forge ahead, taking unneeded lumps along the way. And in some cases, even blindly living like hell, expecting heaven for a reward. Why? Well, again, so often it's because we've been taking our parenting cues from our depraved culture, uh, a whole lot more than from God and his word or history or logic or scientific proof or, again, common sense. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing, Rich. I want to give parents good news. I, I want parents to live healthy lives and see their kids and their families, their entire families flourish. But before we can really enjoy the prospect of good news, we have to first admit, address, and deal with the bad news. And sometimes that can sting a little. And sometimes that can hurt a lot. But whether it stings a little or hurts a lot, true healing never brings harm. King David, he, he said in Psalm 141.5, let a righteous man strike me. It's a kindness. Proverbs 27.6 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. 
It's the enemy that multiplies kisses. So the question is this, am I being a better friend, a better counselor, a better healer, or a better human being and broadcaster by glossing over or avoiding altogether the issues that are bringing a cancer to your family and your life? Or am I being a better friend, a better counselor, and a better healer and human being and broadcaster by linking arms with you, uh, cutting the cancer out and uh, helping you cut it out, and, and giving you a, a regimen for healing that'll, that'll keep you cancer-free? Think about it. Doctors, dentists, plumbers, roofers, lawyers, uh, and a whole lot of other people and professions, including guys like me, and especially parents, sometimes have to deliver a message we don't want to deliver to a people who don't want to receive it. I'm, yeah. For parents, I'm speaking of our kids. And when it comes to parents, the message they too often don't want to deliver is a message that their kids don't want to receive. But as responsible and godly parents, we have to get past the fear and discomfort of of uh, a painful message uh, sometimes, or even painful actions to achieve the long-term benefits of raising emotionally healthy and well-adjusted kids. And fewer and fewer moms and dads seem to be on board with this today. But I, I'm looking forward to getting a little help and encouragement from a millennial-aged man who can uh, share some insights that uh, we don't necessarily enjoy sharing with folks who might not necessarily enjoy hearing it. But for all you parents out there, no matter what generation you're from, Please know that our only motive for discussing what we'll be discussing today is to help bring you to a place of making your parenting experience ultimately a more joyous one. And before we introduce our guests, just a thought on what you've just said, and that is, uh, you know, this thought that our kids don't want to receive this message. Mm -hmm. Uh, As we found out from talking to parents over the years— and from talking to kids over the yeah. years, actually, quite often they do want yeah, to. Yeah, you know, hear it. I should have said it appears they don't want to hear it. But believe me, they want to hear it because you have to remember that you you are speaking to a, a human being, and a human being doesn't stop at the carnality of the human being. A human being has a soul and a, and a spirit and a, and a mind, and uh, this information is penetrating that that carnal shell, whether it looks like it at the time or not. Yeah. Well, Trace, let me uh, introduce today's guest and bring him into the conversation. And hopefully in doing so, I'll be bringing in a more youthful, dynamic uh, part to the equation here. And let me introduce uh, Shepherds Hill's own Josh Temple. Josh is a 29-year-old U.S. military combat veteran who now oversees Christian soldiers at Shepherds Hill Academy. In fact, he is Shepherds Hill Academy's program coordinator. Uh, Josh leads the team of dedicated young men and women who are actually in the trenches with the students at Shepherds Hill Academy, to use a military term. And uh, though Shepherds Hill is certainly not a boot camp or a military-style program or school, well, Josh brings a wise, a loving, and organized, yet no-nonsense approach to the ministry and leadership on behalf of all that he serves here. So, Josh, thanks so much for being uh, a part of our conversation today. Well, I really appreciate you guys having me again. Absolutely. Thank you, Josh. I think the first thing I'd like to address with both of you today is the subject of fragility. Uh, And Josh, your generation often gets accused of being extremely emotionally fragile. But a lot of Christian and secular professionals alike would probably say that this fragility too often stems from a fragility that was first uh, maybe experienced by their parents and that we first have to address this uh, generation of emotionally fragile parents who are almost codependent with their kids. Now, I guess you'd be on 
maybe on the edge of the millennial generation yourself, this might be hard to hear. Yeah, but, actually, uh, smack dab in the middle. Are you, uh, well, I, I forget where that falls now. Uh, the generate they keep coming up with new generations, but how do you see this? I mean, am, am I giving a, a fair assessment of of what's going on? Absolutely, and there's a few issues that I really see with parenting, and the first is not not even so much parenting, but my generation especially is is that we've been brought up in a microwave. Uh, kind of generation where everything is instant at the oh, touch yeah. of a button. Uh, you know, we if we want a song, it's there. If we want food, it's delivered. If mm-hmm. we don't have to wait for anything, it's there and it's readily available. And I, I see this really leak into our spiritual lives. Of uh, you know, I prayed for it one time. God, my minute timer's gone off. Yeah. What, what's happening? <laughs> Why didn't you answer me? <laughs> right. And so the concept of having to pray and fast for twenty one days like Daniel did mm-hmm. is unheard of. Who was a millennial, by the way? Yeah, middle <laughs> age anyway. Yeah, the you time, know yeah. that that that's just a different concept, different idea. So a lot of our cultural comforts have really leaked in in a toxic way, I think, into our spiritual lives, and we see the effect of that playing out. What do you see uh, from the standpoint, though, of the parents who may be bringing their kids here? Because, again, that's that's the group that we turn to uh, for the parenting advice that we give. We we call Shepherd Sill the uh, the proving ground or the training ground. Right. This, this is our test group. Right. What do you see with the parents coming in of being uh, in your age group now and emotionally mm. fragile? Yeah, I, I see this emotional fragileness bringing a twisted concept of love. Of of mm-hmm. thinking that love is is all hugs, kisses, and 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 is pretty and it's nice, and and I want there to talk goes about that. the neglection of that you know uh, sternness to love. That love is correction and rebuke and discipline, um, and and because that they uh, kind of take a more um, sensitive approach, it you know they they don't hold that firm boundary and that firm line, and the kids recognize that very quickly. And they take advantage of it. And I think uh, a lot of their security goes away as a result. Because I think that, you know, when you speak to someone, you're not just speaking to their brain, mm-hmm. you know, or the fleshly, uh, the carnal component of the human being. Uh, words have a lot of power and they cut right through, right to the, the core of someone's soul and their spirit. And I think you're speaking a message to the spirit of children when you raise them up or speak to them things that they know darn well aren't right and true. You know, uh, hey, good swing, Johnny. That was a great swing. And and he barely got this bat off his shoulder, mm, right? right? And mm. so the kids can see through that. And so uh, consequently, it makes uh, parents' credibility mm-hmm. go down the tube when even Junior knows it wasn't a good swing because he was, mm-hmm. say, afraid of the curveball coming in at him or something. I mean, I don't know. Or, you know, so, so that that's my point. Well, this is something that I think a lot of parents forget about. And how we forget it, I'm not sure. But when you when you take a look at, a, at an infant, a newborn, let's say, this child has just been in a very snug, secure space. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, when you're holding a baby, sometimes they like to be swaddled. They like to be held close and wrapped tight right. because it's safe. It's a nice, protective feeling. And as your child grows a little older and you're talking about maybe a two-year-old, say, or a three-year-old, I know my granddaughter, for example, is three now, and she loves to be tossed up in the air. But there's that moment of, ah, you know, yeah. all of a sudden I'm mm-hmm. I'm – yeah, I'm up and free, but it's the getting caught, and then all of a sudden, oh yeah. wow, that was fun! I want to do it again. Right, but see, you've allowed her to experience the ah because she has the security knowing that you're going to catch her. Right, but you've also given her the, the liberty and the freedom, uh, and basically made her 
get thrown up in the air, right? Yes. And you, this is not your, you have an option. I'm throwing you in the air, right? But you were there also to catch her as well. So, you know, there's, and, there's a balance there. And, and for the teenagers, and this is, you know, what I'm sure you all see on a daily basis inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill, um, giving them the freedom to grow and to become the adults that they're supposed to be takes having a structure around them so that that there are, you know, specific rules and guidelines. Mm-hmm. And as parents, and, and this is even for my age, and I'm in my 50s, um, Sometimes we let things go a little too loose and we try to just blow in the breeze to go along with it and, and ride and right. be peaceful and get along. But Josh, let me ask you something here. Um, and again, I know you're still a young man, uh, but as you see it, what would you say are some of the long-term effects of being um, emotionally fragile as a parent? Uh, really, when, when you're emotionally fragile, you start looking for validation in, in all the wrong areas, and, and you're wanting security in all the wrong areas. And mm-hmm. I see parents uh, searching for that security within their children. So they become codependent. They become codependent. Right, right. And, I, and in this search, I see parents uh, allow the kids to come between them and their spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I understand. I don't have kids, and I don't understand what it feels like to love but a child. But you've got about 30 of them right here. Well, <laughs> Right. Uh, but I do know the Bible says that the man and the wife shall become one flesh, mm-hmm. not not the parents and their children becoming this one flesh. Right. But there's a different type of bond uh, in that marital covenant that nobody should come in between or be elevated up above. Mm-hmm. And I see, you know, again, these parents trying to bring these kids almost into that covenant and yeah. and, and, and putting the, the child on the same pedestal as the spouse and causing a lot of issues. I'm seeing men not lead. Um, right. The Bible called for the men to be the Big spiritual time. leaders of the house, and the men aren't doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the men, I feel like a lot of times they're afraid or they just don't know how to. Yeah. And and because of this, uh, they're, they're stepping aside, and the women are now having to fulfill roles that God didn't call them to fill. Boy, I'm and, glad you said that. I am so glad you said that. Yeah, and, it, and it's doing a lot of damage. So now we're having sons being brought up uh, without any solid masculine leadership. And so they're searching. I mean, it's it's just a chain reaction um, that that we see go on, and and there's this this lack of confidence uh, that I'm seeing in these young men that we have come in here where they don't know who they are, they don't know what it means to be a man, um, and they're having to learn from the world as to what a man is instead of finding out what does God say is the biblical right. definition of a man. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head when you said that a lot of these parents you know, uh, look at their kids before their spouses mm. as mm. more important than their spouses. That's the only way this thing works properly. Right. Otherwise, you create entitled kids. And kids that are entitled can't be grateful. If they can't be grateful, they can't be emotionally healthy. We need to take a quick break here. We're talking with Josh Temple, who is our program coordinator here at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Again, licensed to parent as the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill. But we wanted to bring Josh in because uh, he is a millennial, but he's also leading the way with the counseling that goes on here for the kids and, and getting them through our program to become, as Trace likes to say, not only uh, effective adults, but change agents for the culture. We want to we want to turn kids around and help them overcome and then uh, lead even their, their friends into being leaders within the community. Yeah, we don't need more microcosms of the culture, folks. Exactly. We got plenty of those. We, we need, need change agents to the culture. We've let, mm-hmm. it, we've let it slip through our fingers. We sat back fat and lazy and let it happen. And now we're going to have to 
make up yeah. for the years that the, that the cultural locusts have eaten and get this thing back. When we come back from our break, though, uh, Josh, I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the uh, challenges that may be tossed your way by the kids when they come in, and maybe any surprises mm-hmm. you're seeing. Because as parents, we need to know what we're facing, and sometimes it kind of slaps us upside the head by surprise. Yeah, so, and I want to ask you, Josh, you know, what are some ways that parents enable their kids to be fragile, and how we, we, we kind of buy into that? Okay, we'll be right back. You're listening to Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit helpmytroubledteen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherd's Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Help by TroubledTeen.org. Is your teen's behavior dangerous? Your child's behavior may seem incredibly volatile during the teenage years. Sometimes the signs and symptoms come and go quickly as your child is growing, but other times behaviors are developed and nurtured that will lead to unhealthy choices. Here are a few items to consider. Does your teen refuse to abide by anything you say or request? Is your teen displaying behavior that's a marked change from what has been normal? Has your teen become increasingly disrespectful, dishonest, and disobedient, and openly rebellious? Go to HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and take the quiz, Is My Teen Troubled? While some behavioral issues are minor and best resolved at home, there are warning signs that your teen may need a more structured approach to get them on a healthy, constructive path. And Shepherd's Hill Academy is here to help. Visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and click on Is My Teen Troubled? HelpMyTroubledTeen.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. I'm Rich Rosal, and I'm joined by our host, Trace Embry, and also by uh, Josh Temple, who's the program coordinator here at, uh, at Shepherd's Hill. And uh, Josh, right before the break, and, and incidentally, I should mention, uh, this conversation is likely to span two or maybe even three programs. Ten or six. Ten, ten or six, <laughs> twenty-five or six to four, to quote the old band Chicago. Uh, anyway, we we are going to try to go go deep on this because there's a lot to talk about, and frankly, there's a, a lot of conversation here that we all, as parents, need yeah, to we be really having. haven't left the topic of fragility yet. Really. That's true. That's where we started. But Josh, we were talking right before the break about some of the surprises that maybe you're seeing as. New kids come into Shepherd's Hill, the things that kind of smack you upside the head, it's like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Um, what are some of the surprises that that parents may not even be aware of? I'm, I'm always so surprised, I think, to just, uh, again, to see the sensitivity 
a lot of these students have uh, when it comes to correction and rebuke. It's almost like they've never been told no before. Hmm. And uh, I should be used to it at this point, but it, it amazes me every time. Uh, this overwhelming sense of entitlement. And I always think about uh, one of the craziest verses in the Bible, consider it pure joy when you face trials and tribulations. Right, right. <laughs> Why would you say that? But yeah. he, he talks about because this is what builds character. Yeah, when you go right. through these tough times, this is a time where God stretches you and he, and he breaks you so he can make you stronger and he can refine you. And, uh, you know, it's so funny is that, again, people have religion categorized almost as this feel-good uh, whatever kind of tickles me pink thing. Right. But my Bible says that we're to be like iron sharpening iron. Mm-hmm. And that's abrasive and that's painful and that's tough. And uh, in order for me to sharpen you or to be sharpened, there has to be those direct conversations. To say the truth, but to say it in love is is an art that I feel like a lot of Christians have completely neglected. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're so after uh, people. They're, they're so after uh, winning people, which is great that they will look over some major issues. I mean, think about Jesus's ministry when the rich young ruler came to him. And, and this was an opportunity for Jesus really to springboard his ministry. I mean, this man had a ton of money, a ton of resources. And what did Jesus do? He sent him away. Yeah. He, he sent him away. And, and you say I got plan B for you. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he didn't, he didn't cover up the truth mm-hmm. uh, in order to promote his ministry or in order to pull it. He, he, he told him what he needed to hear. Yeah. And, and the church has, has really neglected this. They're so focused on building members or Christians are so focused on loving, which is great, but you can overemphasize an attribute of God that you forget the rest. Right. Well, and, and you pointed out earlier in the program that love is not just the huggy feely warm mm. fuzzies right. there there is a tough side to love mm. and i'm mm. not loving you if i don't correct you and give you guidance in that way but that may not always be the guidance you want but right. hopefully if i'm doing it as a parent in love it's the guidance you need i read uh, good or god by john bevere and i and i believe i might I'm have sorry, touched that's on this. grammatically incorrect you, you know you will have to write mr <laughs> bevere about that but in this book he brings up this wonderful example of how if a doctor knew his patient very well and they were very close but the doctor found that the patient had terminal cancer right the doctor wouldn't say, well, because I love them, I'm not going to tell them the bad news right. that they need to hear. Well, this is the difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking. Right. And we've talked about that over and over on this broadcast uh, throughout the years. Uh, but Jesus wasn't known for being a peacekeeper. Matter right. of fact, there's nothing positive in Scripture about peacekeeping, but political correctness has caused us as parents to be peacekeepers. Mm. We think when Junior's smiling that... You know, we're doing a good job as a parent, and really nothing could be further from the truth. Peacemaking requires confrontation sometimes, uh, conflict. Yeah. Uh, it is okay if Junior smiles. <laughs> yes. Do <laughs> don't don't want to mislead you folks. Yeah. Uh, but peace, peacemaking uh, can actually uh, appear by the, by the standards of a lot of politically correct people today as violent. I mean, when you look back at World War II, we dropped two nuclear bombs in Japan— that was a peacemaking exercise because they cried uncle and we, yeah, hundreds of thousands died. We, we regret to have, to have to report that. But we saved millions because they had already said, mm-hmm. we're fighting to the last man. And they had millions. Mm-hmm. And they were going to fight mm-hmm. to the last man. And a lot of those millions would have been our, our people. So you have to come in and say enough is enough. You have to be a peacemaker. Jesus was called the Prince of Peace. And yet he told his disciples, I, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Right? Yet he's still called the Prince of Peace. Mm-hmm. We've got to keep in mind, back to what you said earlier, Josh, 
you know, we like the scriptures that talk about turn the other cheek and, you know, let the little children come to me and blah, 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 blah. That same Jesus took a whip, knew exactly what he was going to do, and drove the money changers out of the temple, animals, people, uh, and yet did not sin. Did not sin. Right. And it was calculated. He knew exactly what he was going to do out of love for his people. And I think parents can take a, a little bit of a, a lesson from that. But Josh, what are some other specific practical ways that parents enable their, their kids to be fragile? Before I ask you to, how we can shore some of this up for these parents, uh, anything else that maybe parents uh, might resonate with as far as what you've observed? Right. And it goes back to kind of what you were touching on earlier with these verbal affirmations given when they don't deserve them. Mm -hmm. And again, you want to build your kids up and I get that. But at the same time, you, you need to shoot them straight Yeah, because uh, you're really setting them up for failure. And, and what I'm seeing is that parents are always praising and always uplifting and, and always uh, saying that you do no wrong. It loses its uh, punch. It loses the punch. So when a genuine compliment is given... Yeah. It doesn't carry any exactly. weight anymore. Exactly. Uh, and also, it's completely blurring the lines to their children of what what is the standard of good mm -hmm. and, and where is the standard of bad. And so they come into an environment like ours, and when they find out that their ways of not of doing things is, is not going to get them the gold prize every time, it's a huge culture shock for them. Yeah, and so we're really, uh, for all practical purposes as parents, we're fostering mediocrity, mm -hmm. sloth. Right, uh, and, and I have to fight this all the time. Colossians 3.23 says that whatever you do, do it for the Lord, Right, mean, meaning do it with excellence. Mm -hmm. And you do not see that anywhere, and it's gone outside of just this generation. I mean, you walk in the workforce anywhere today, and you'll hear the same cry of, we can't find workers who can come in on time, dress nicely, and do a great job. I hear it regularly. I it, hear it's, it it's, it's heartbreaking. It really is. But the standard of excellence, has been completely uh, just watered down right. to where your version of excellence is okay. And Be because we have no objective standard, standard. by which right. we're, we're com comparing excellence. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned uh, uh, the passage by Paul. You know, Paul also said, do everything with, with right. excellence, right? Yes. And yes. excellence doesn't mean perfection. Right. It just means to the best of our ability. Absolutely. Right? We glorify God when when whatever our hand finds us to do, we mm. do as unto mm -hmm. the Lord. Yeah, I know we're about out of time, and uh, we've been uh, laying a, a groundwork here for all the things that we're doing wrong as far as enabling fragility in our kids. So when we come back next time, and Josh, I hope to have you back, if you would. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to discuss what we can actually do to keep from enabling our kids to be fragile yeah. and, and make them strong and sturdy so they can stand on their own two legs uh, when they're on their own. We are cleverly roping you into multiple programs yes. here. You must listen to all of them. And we hope that you will because, again, our goal here is to export some of what we're learning inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill every day to help you be a more effective, a more intentional parent and to raise your kids in a way that God would have you raise them to uh, to be the future Christian soldiers, uh, to get back to our analogy of what uh, Josh is doing here with his military background. We want your kids to be the, the change agents and the leaders in our culture, and uh, that's what we hope to do we through need this them. program. We need them. Absolutely. You'll find us online at LicensedToParent.org. Let me remind you that you'll also find all of our past programs and conversations on a lot of topics vital to parents and their teens. You can also sign up for our blog. You can also get on the bandwagon to help the work that we do continue through your financial support. As you might imagine, running a residential program for troubled teens is quite expensive, and some families simply can't afford it. But you can help. 
Simply click the donate tab at the top of the page when you go to licensedparent.org. And if you want to learn more about Shepherd's Hill Academy and whether we might be a good fit for your family or for someone you know and care about who might need this type of help, please click the link to Shepherd's Hill on our homepage. Our technical producer on Licensed to Parent is Carl Peets. And for Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you to join us again for part two of this conversation next time on Licensed to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time. <laughs>